Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Peggy Lee, comedian Ken Murray, motion picture columnist Luella Parsons, and a salute to Jack Parr. From her Chesterfield Supper Club program in the late 40s, here's Miss Peggy Lee. I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I don't know enough about you. Just when I think you're mine, you try a different line, and baby, what can I do? I read the latest news, no buttons on my shoes, but baby, I'm confused about you. You get me in a spin, oh, what a stew I'm in, cause I don't know enough about you. Jack of all trades, master of none. And isn't it a shame I'm so sure that you'd be good for me If you'd only play my game You know I went to school And I'm nobody's fool That is to say until I met you I know a little bit about a lot of things but I don't know enough about you I know a little bit about biology And a little more about psychology I'm a little gem in geology But I don't know enough about you I guess I better get out the encyclopedia and brush up on from schmur to schmooze because mm-hmm. I don't know enough about you. One of the big shows during the middle and late 30s was Hollywood Hotel, and here's what it sounded like. Makers of Campbell Soups welcome you to another evening of music and entertainment in the Orchid Room in Hollywood with Francis Langford, Frank Parker, Ann Jamison, Oswald, Raymond Page's music, Luella Parsons, our first lady of Hollywood, and our genial master of ceremonies, Ken Murray. Thank you. Thank you, Ken Niles, and 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ken Murray speaking, and I'm telling you, it's a kick to be on this mm. program. It's been yeah. wonderful, hasn't it? It all really, I oh, should say, say Ken, The yeah. comedians yeah. that have been on, Jolson and Bob Holt and Parky Cockers yeah. and Milton Berle. Yeah. Then I come. <laughs> Only leopards get spots like this. <laughs> You know, Niles, I get a great kick out of being here tonight. Oh, you do? Yes, I never realized that our program was so popular. You know, when I walked in the stage entrance tonight, there must have been 2,000 people. 2,000 people out there, and the minute they saw me, rushed at me with their autograph books. What, 2,000 people after you? No kidding, no kidding. If you don't believe me, you can ask Robert Taylor. He was right alongside of me, standing right alongside. Oh, Robert Taylor was standing alongside. And incidentally, a grand fellow. Yeah, oh, certainly is. Oh, the thing I like about Robert Taylor, the way he dresses. Oh, doesn't he, though? Oh, yes, those... Those loud sport coats. Oh, yeah. Of course, I should talk. I've got sport coat myself. I've got one that's a dandy. It's uh, purple with yellow stripes. Oh, it's beautiful, really. And I wear a green beret with it. And a funny thing, this afternoon, I was riding down Hollywood Boulevard in my open car with the green beret and the sport coat on. And a cop pulls over. He says, pull over there, young fella. He said, what's the idea going 50 miles an hour? I said, well, I'm awful sorry, officer, but I wasn't going 50 miles an hour. I was only going 15. He says, okay, you can go ahead. I just wanted to hear you talk. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, Murray finally got a laugh. uh, But uh, enough of this, enough of this. Let's get on with the show. In honor of this very thrilling occasion, Hollywood Hotel's first salute to Columbia will be that lovely little lady of cinematic astronomy, who knows more about the stars than Einstein. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, the first lady of Hollywood, Miss Luella Parsons. Thank you, Ken Murray. Thank you, Columbia and William Paley, for one of the happiest associations of my life. You know, radio has made tremendous strides since I brought the first stars to the air. Our programs in those days were pretty feeble, occupying about five minutes with interviews written on the cuff, a few seconds before we went on the air. But we did have top-notch talent. My first stars were Wallace Berry, Norma Shear, Marlene Dietrich, Marie Dressler, Bibi Daniels, Mary Pickford, Constance Bennett, and Ronald Coleman. Isn't that a lineup? Thank you. Well, now, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes Hollywood Hotel's portion of the program. And as its master ceremony, before turning the mic over to our successors, I want to wish you and Columbia the best of everything. This is Ken Murray saying so long. Jack Parr has had a long career in radio and television, and from time to time he's seen in his own TV specials now. Did you know that his first appearance on radio was in 1945 on the Armed Forces Radio Service Program, Command Performance? Well, now, Command Performance is privileged with the first radio appearance of a great new comedy discovery now owned by RKO. Not too long ago, this boy returned to the States after spending 25 months in the South Pacific as a soldier entertainer. An unknown to civilians, perhaps, but voted the number one comedian of World War II by his overseas buddies. Here he is, the former mayor of Guadalcanal, with a fresh, new brand of humor, former Sergeant Jack Parr. 
I'm glad you didn't whistle a place will fill with dogs, but I'm glad to be back out here now. I, um, I thought for tonight I'd talk to the kids in the audience, you know. I, I feel so sorry for the little kids today. I want to talk to the kids and help them with their problems. First, kids, you probably think your parents are crazy about you. Well, get that out of your head. You were brought into this world because your parents wanted to hear the patter of little feet around the house. Get the idea? It's your feet they're crazy about, not you. <laughs> the patter of tiny feet. If they ever get to putting sound effects in the home, you're going to be out in the cold. Sure, when you're, when you're little, your feet patter, but when you get to walk normally, say, around five, you're a has-been. What kind of old age security is that? Through at five, you know? Anything you don't understand, applaud, will you, please? <laughs> Which brings us to work around the house. When your father asks you to, to mow the lawn, take the screens down, look him in the eye and say, Sir, always give him that sir stuff because adults are crazy about polite kids, you see. Say, Sir, I'd rather not. I make it all sweaty and die. Fathers love witty children, you see. Now, I realize that little kids can't afford to hire 12 gag writers like Bob Hope, but your Uncle Jack can send you material each week. Now, here's a good one. If your father threatens you, say, okay, Dad, I'll do it. But first tell me, why did you lose your job at the bank? If you're so honest, why did you have that rear view mirror on your adding machine? <laughs> <laughs> then for an encore, you can run to your mother and say, hey, Mom, something terrible's happened. She'll get excited and say, what? And you tell her you just discovered you have 32 teeth. And she'll say, oh, everyone has 32 teeth. And then you say, four on top and 28 on the bottom. <laughs> And uh, here's a great gag if you've got an old maid aunt. You tell her she's never looked so lovely. Say, Auntie, you should be a Goldwyn girl because you look so much like Sam Goldwyn. <laughs> oh, I want to talk to you about your parents. You've been brought up to believe that your parents know everything. That's adult propaganda, and they've been handing it out for years. <laughs> Let's analyze some of their sayings. First, there's early to bed and early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Did you ever take a look at the milkman? Did you really? <laughs> Next, never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Don't be silly. Put off until tomorrow what you can do today. From this comes time and a half. <laughs> Union people, I know. Then there's um, a stitch in time saves nine. Nine what? And besides, what are little kids doing knitting? <laughs> Do you have to make your own bobby socks over at your house? Here's another motto of parents. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Why? <laughs> is that a good example for the kids of America? Tommy Manville, is it really? I mean... <laughs> If at first you don't succeed, so you don't pass your arithmetic test and you go to your grave not knowing that six and four make ten. Is that such a big thing, really? When you grow up, you can hire college graduate CPAs, $15 a week, they figure the whole thing out for you. <laughs> but supposing you do sweat and worry and try and try again and finally get the answer, seven and five are 12. Do you think you're through? Do you know what they have waiting for you next? Fractions. <laughs> We rehearsed a bigger laugh right there. We really did. You, uh, you don't believe me, and you go on and learn that A squared over 2 pi R equals B squared. After you graduate, do you think anyone's going to ask you? Do you really? Look, kids, if at first you don't succeed, give up. <laughs> and don't let anybody tell you you're a failure. How can a little kid at eight be a failure? You won't be a failure for 30 more years yet, believe me. 
Have you ever been told by your dad this motto, an elephant never forgets? An elephant never forgets. Even if he remembers, what can he do for you? Nothing. What can an elephant do? <laughs> then there's, um, uh, don't cross your bridges until you come to them. Well, first of all, it's impossible. Just try walking down Hollywood Boulevard and make like you're crossing a bridge. An old lady will walk up and say, what are you doing? And you say, I'm crossing my bridges before I come to them. <laughs> Just wait and see how fast they wrap you in a cold, wet sheet and put you away. <laughs> then, uh, then there's two heads are better than one. Well, maybe, I, I don't know. There'll be a lot of trouble, though, putting on the sunglasses over four different ears, I figure. Don't you think so? Here's a good one. The early bird catches the worm. They want a small kid, you see, to run outside at five in the morning, rush back with a small snake in his mouth. How do you like that? The early bird catches the worm. Let him. You sleep late and stay inside where the cooked food is. How do you like that? Well... Well, that's all for tonight, kids. Before leaving you, let's all stand at attention, face towards Gene Autry, and repeat our sacred oath. We belong to Uncle Jack's club. We will not steal steam shovels or go for submarine rides with strangers. <laughs> this program is brought to you for a limited time only, which means until the PTA gets wind of it, by the makers, by the makers of McNulty's Marinated Marshmallow Meatballs. And kids, remember McNulty's motto, play volleyball while you eat. Good night. Thank you. Just 15 years later, in 1960, Jack Parr was one of the most popular performers on television. Night after night, he kept most of the country up long after their bed uh, bedtime on the NBC Tonight Show. Here's one of the shows that originated here in Hollywood. Now, it's the Jack Parr Show with Genevieve, Shelley Berman... Orson Bean, Jose Mellis and his orchestra, and yours truly, Hugh Downs. And now, here's Jack! You don't have to do that. Just scrawl, I love you, on the building as you leave. <laughs> Applause doesn't go to my head, you know. It doesn't. Some people let it bother them. Because I'm fully aware that Abraham Lincoln got an ovation the last night in the theater, you know, and I realize. <laughs> you never know when it's going to be John Wilkes Booth time somewhere. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love to come here uh, to California because... You know, I'm a little kooky, as you may have heard, and this is Mecca. <laughs> well, I mean, like, for instance, the town is mostly divided... Well, it's mostly the, the British have taken the town over, you know. There are more British here than in Hong Kong or in, in London. Why do I mention Hong Kong so much? In London. <laughs> and, the, and the British colony here is divided into two, two groups. British actors and Jaguar mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then the tourists, they all run around, the tourists, they run around with uh, sunglasses on, the tourists do, wondering which one of them is Gregory Peck. You know? <laughs> I suppose some of you see The Tonight Show with some regularity and you're surprised to see me in person because you watch me in bed through your feet. <laughs> and you're under the impression that uh, I'm a tall, thin guy with 11 noses. You know? What's a Tonight Show like? Well, it's sometimes it's great fun, and sometimes it's sad, and sometimes it's frightening. It's, it's, it's a traumatic experience to do that show. That's a psychiatric term I learned. A traumatic experience means that I not only have a hole in my head, but when the wind blows, I hear flutes. <laughs> You know what I do? I do say I get a kick out of it. I, I shouldn't, I suppose. And that's the preoccupation you people have with cemeteries and funeral parlors. I, I kid you not, as our glorious leader says, um, there is actually a sign, and I'm not kidding, here in this town of a, uh, of a cemetery. And you know what the word is? Foreverness. <laughs> I fully expect to see ones as underneathness. Any, any. <laughs> Forest Lawn is uh, everyone goes to Forest Lawn sooner or later, I suppose. But uh, to those of you who don't know, Forest Lawn is like a Disneyland for shut-ins. <laughs> have happened to me exciting things like um, when I was a kid the most exciting thing that ever happened to me was on Saturday nights in a little town in Michigan I used to go down and watch the A&P truck unload <laughs> but now all kinds of things happen well I was very poor as a kid we came I came from a poor family we never had meat at our house and whenever I would go by um, butcher's window I, I thought there had been a terrible accident. I never understood. <laughs> Funniest story I ever heard, and you know, I, I know two funny, cl really classic stories that are very, but I'll just tell you the one. And when I was in England last year, I was invited to Lord Beaverbrook's home for dinner on Sunday night. And it was very embarrassing because I wasn't, I didn't have formal clothes. And uh, they were all dressed, and uh, s uh, several lords were there, and one lady, and the rest were rather nice, too. But uh, she was Lady Dunn, was her name. And she leaned across the table, and she said, they say you're a genius. Say something funny. Well, I was dead, you know, and I tried, and the perspiration broke out, and everybody stopped with the forks and looked at this. I died. And a little Scotch editor of a newspaper, Beaverbrook, broke in and saved it by saying this joke. A Scotchman's wife was giving birth in a barn. Uh, they had her there and she was giving birth and he called the hired man he says uh, get the torch that's a flesh get the torch and uh, help me so the man came with the torch and the baby was delivered and they put it away and there was another sign of labor and he said get the torch again so he got the torch again and the second baby was delivered and they put it in clothes and then the hired man said uh, shall I go now and the fellow said yes I said I can't do the accent yes you can go now he said because I think it's the light that's attracting them I 
I heard uh, another true story today, and they're always the best when it's possible or when they could have happened. But down in Florida, there's a little hotel, little hotel, four floors high, nice hotel. And a girl used to take a sunbath there every day. And uh, since there was no uh, higher hotels near it, she would take off her bathing suit and, uh, and, and be in the nude. And so she was in the nude and she was lying on her stomach and she heard someone coming up the steps and she quick grabbed the towel and put it around her. And the uh, man says, I wish you wouldn't uh, uh, sunbathe in the nude up here. She says, well, you never protested before. He said, no, but I wish you would do it like you before in your bathing suit. She says, well, why do you care? No one can see. He says, madam, you happen to be lying on the skylight of the dining room. <laughs> Here's a silly story. There's a fella who was a choir master, and he had a little church over by Central Park, and he directed the choir, real sweet little fella, and then he went through the park on a warm day like this last summer, and uh, some kids, some teenagers, some hoods, they jumped a guy, knocked him down, and... Uh, beat him up and took his wallet and ran off. And the poor guy laid there and he finally, he finally got up and got to his feet, reached in his pocket, went, help! <laughs> now what I tell you now is true. I kid you not. But here are things that have happened before the show. I am not a nervous person, uh, but I, I get incoherent and I do dumb things and I have a nervous reaction. Like for instance, I do things before, it's like a ritual with me before I go on. I always gargle, nutty stuff, I don't need it. And one time I actually had a, 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 a green uh, plastic bottle of throat spray and I went like this, just before I said, and here's Jack Park. Well, you know what it was? It was underarm deodorant. <laughs> and I puckered for 45 minutes there before I... Uh, and one night I had I, I have a thing with eye drops, always eye drops, you know, in the eye. It was Vicks, nose drops, you can see. <laughs> you can see what that was like. And not long ago, I have an assistant little girl named Mitzi Matravis who handles everything for me, and uh, I was bending over to tie my shoe in the dressing room, and she came through, and I was nearly doorknob to death, you see. <laughs> These things... <laughs> Is this too much for you, folks? <laughs> You know, if I go too far, you know. No. Do you know that some people watch our show and they have the picture on and they turn the sound off? It's a nightlight. They use it for a nightlight. <laughs> After 25 years in show business, I end up as radar to the bathroom. <laughs> That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our salute to Jack Parr. Now here's a thought to remember. Farms in the United States are not only the most highly mechanized, but the most productive in the world, with over $41 billion annual income. And did you know that 80 of every 100 United States farmers own their own farms? Does democratic free enterprise pay off? You know it does. Now this is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California. Join me next time for more from Radio's Greatest Shows. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.